Hey, welcome to Radicalized, where truth survives and we got your back. I'm here with Jim Stewartson, High Fidelity, Sean Connor. Sean and I are wearing our ugly Christmas sweaters because we're time. we're kind. It wasn't planned, but it is kind of cool, and it also is a little bit cold in the in my home. Um, yeah, I'm just so wearing my gray, depressing <laughs> sweater. It's so because, funny because you know the fall of democracy and everything. Jim might be wearing his gray, but he spent the last few minutes uh, lifting my spirit, so uh, all is well. But no, truthfully, I'm here with America's most wanted disinformation warriors, and we know that, that they're the most wanted because we are continually under siege. We have had to retire High Fidelity's number 18 Twitter jersey, and let's hear a little bit about that. Sean, do you have anything... Uh, uh, queued up for this. Uh, what are you doing to me? <laughs> so we're continually making our own news. You guys were here with us last week where you saw the timeline of how Gimpgate unfolded. And now our uh, dear uh, troll and disinformation warrior, uh, High Fidelity, has now officially been... Uh, given the boot 18 times he, off of the he's tweeters. He's also been renamed, Heidi. He's been renamed to Bi Fidelity. Oh, so. Bi Fidelity. Yes. Bye, so, bye. So, so, hi, Fi. Before you start dropping knowledge on our friends, just give us a little quick synopsis of uh, why you keep getting gang reported. Uh, just a little bit of knowledge. We're going to do a full show on the trouble with trolls, but uh, <laughs> Jim nicknamed you by fidelity. Let's hear a little bit about that. So uh, August, September, 2020, I wanted the Rittenhouse fundraiser taken down. They wouldn't take it down. I started looking into Ellen Wood and John M. Pierce, and I found a whole bunch of dirt and there's a whole bunch of dirty people behind them, a bunch of billionaires. Uh, companies across the globe and they wanted to shut me up they wanted to make sure i stopped talking about this because it exposes them and they shut me down four or five times they got me banned i kept getting back on um and then once i figured out exactly what was going on i started going after the people who were running the QAnon game and uh Acted like a chaos agent. I said some terrible things to them. I disrupted them. I gathered information on them. I did everything I could to mess up their game. And they are very, very upset about that. And they are continually trying to kick me off of Twitter and shut me down. And uh, I refuse to be stopped. And so instead, we created a show where you are a co-host, so your voice will ring loud and clear. And just so our friends are clear, uh, Hi-Fi discovered a transnational mob behind the Rittenhouse fundraisers. Uh, yes, he has told me, quite frankly, if I saw some of the things he was posting in months of yore, I might not be friends with him. On the other hand, he his philosophy is when you're dealing with gangsters, you got to be a bigger gangster. Not everybody agrees with that, but that's Hi-Fi's philosophy, as he's explained it to me. And uh, this is war, and war is hell. And we're looking forward to uh, 
your 19th uh, attempt to get back on uh, the Oh, platform. I'll be back. I'll be, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to lose that graphic, Sean, because I'll be back. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this. Look, we, we joke about Bi-Fi, but, um, you know, for me, there's a reason why he's on this show, why he's one of my dearest friends in the world right now is because actions speak louder than words. Um, and every action this person has taken is for the good of American democracy. And I'm here to tell you, uh, he's my friend and stop fucking with him. Yeah. You know, nah, let him come, man. No, no, no. You know what? I can take anything they can do. Hey, hey, hey. Let, Jim's words were so beautiful. And also, these players uh, are playing themselves in these blue checkmark accounts coming at you, coming at me, coming at Jim, are exposing themselves and who they really likely work for. So uh, if they want to keep exposing themselves, go for it. Um, one of the incredible things is we did do our first story on the Rittenhouse fundraiser transnational mob connections for the Byline Times. And we will continue to follow these very important stories um, because it's always leading to the same group, uh, connected group of bad actors who also then lead us back to this uh, narrative warfare that we are a part of. And that is my inadvertent segment to uh, moving on to a uh, word of the week, which we call phrase of the week or something like that. <laughs> Here's a bunch of words you should know. Um, so the phrase of the week this week is narrative warfare. And <laughs> Sean coming in with the graphics, bro. Oh, Sean, we do love you so much. Yes. Uh, so narrative narrative warfare for me to under, uh, explain that what I, I need to do is explain narrative and narrative is derived from a number of things it is derived from meaning you know as uh, what message is being sent through the narrative the identity meaning who is the narrative meant for uh, the content as in how are they sending the messages is it a news article is it a movie is it a book whatever the case may be and of course, structure, which is how the story is told. Now, in Western narrative, you have a beginning, middle, and end. That's the Aristotelian structure. So narrative is, is a story. We're telling a story, and we're using it in warfare. Narrative warfare is the conflict between the meaning of information that an adversary wants, its audience to adopt, to internalize, and the meaning that friendly forces intend. Some examples of this would be masks are good. On the other hand, people say masks are bad. Science is good. Science is fake, right? These are examples of narrative warfare. Uh, all religions are good to some extent. Some people say only my religion is good. That's a narrative warfare. Here's another, I'll give you another one, uh, critical race theory. Hmm. Yeah. is a story about how you know all the all the scary dark people are going are taking over our schools with uh you know uh, socialist propaganda when in fact all it is is a postgraduate 
class that has nothing to do with any of that. And that's simply a story. It's a story that was made up by the Manhattan Institute and has been used as a mass weapon of warfare. And why this matters, which we're also going to get to, is um, it's not too soon for us to brag about our epic guests that we have coming up. Dr. Right. Charles Creel, Kat Gellin, they brought us people you may know. We're going to be talking about their new film, Disinformed. We're going to be showing how these uh, narratives are constructed in order to... Uh, in order, quite frankly, for grifters and carnies to sell a lot of products, twist a lot of minds, and play into uh, the desires of some of the foreign nationals and domestic uh, terrorists that are uh, impacting our democracy. And I just want to drop a little hint to you guys that Charles comes from a long line of carnies. And if you've <laughs> ever known a carny, and I have, I knew the carny kid, he was wonderful. Carnies know a hundred ways to, to steal a buck by the time they're 11. So Charles has an insight that he brought to all the work he's done, including the work he's done in the UK, exposing a lot of the, um, how, how tech is essentially breaking democracies. Uh, he has an insight that's going to be really fun to get a little bit of backstory on. So, uh, so this, is, this is why it matters. Well, yeah, nobody, nobody knows the hustle like a hustler, right? <laughs> For sure. So uh, is it too soon for us to segue to why it matters, gentlemen? No, no. let's go. <laughs> why high fidelity? That alone, that alone is worth the price of admission, man. Right. Um, so, three stories this week I'd like to talk about and why they matter. Uh, first one, fascist finance. Uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, SPLC, has identified a 600 Bitcoin wallets that white supremacists and far-right fascists are utilizing to raise funds online. And why does this matter? Because uh, if you watched our episode with Dave Troy, you have to understand how crypto is being used to not only destabilize currency, but to fund a lot of these really not nice people who are trying to destabilize society. Right? Yeah. And well, they've been, they've been kicked off of PayPal. They've been kicked off of Stripe. Um, crypto is their, their last bastion of finance. It's the last yeah. way they can get money in. It's been, it's, it's been used by, um, the fascist white supremacist side of this, um, for many years now, um, starting in 2013, 14, they were already using it, uh, to, to pass money around each other. If you look at the neo-Nazi, movement that you know has been coming up um you know through the the 20 teens um it's a lot of it is financed um by by crypto uh including just as an example the guy who um shot 51 people in christchurch new zealand um 
he uh, made money um, from BitConnect, which was a Bitcoin ripoff, right. um, which financed his uh, tour into Europe to get radicalized into becoming a mass murderer. So one thing that's really important, if you did not see episode one with Dave Troy, please go back and look at it. But we are talking about a speculation market, not even really a currency, uh, that is being utilized by the world's extortionist money launderers and neo-Nazis. Uh, so I say to, again to the paid influencers, because I'm in, I'm in LA, I'm in Hollywood, uh, think about what you're shilling for and think about whether or not it's worth it. And uh, I'm alarmed at the number of tech bros who seem to be going all in on this, because as we're going to discuss with Charles and Kat, you know, these are the same guys who seem not to be too profoundly disturbed that they're breaking democracies. So if this is what they're shilling next, buyer beware. Well, I just, I find it incredibly amusing that, you know, there's artists out there like Cardi B, who are obviously a very, you know, pro-black female and she's pushing Bitcoin while Bitcoin is being used by people who would like to see her entire race wiped from the face of the earth. I mean, you can see the crypto.com ads. Oh, yeah. And they're big in UFC. The, yeah, yeah, the ties so between they, fighting. The, the and Staples Center is no longer crime. the Staples Center. I know. There's billboards all over my town. Yeah. the crypto.com center. And the only thing I will say is the Enron Center is no longer the Enron Center either. So, so, so and, maybe and, hey, maybe there's some hope. There, there's a museum that no longer has the Sackler name on it, so that's nice. I mean, that's good. Uh, yeah, and did uh, MIT ever return the uh, Epstein money or Harvard or whichever Ivy League? I don't know. So we could we could play this game all day, gentlemen. But that's a very important first story. Thank you for always bringing us the the important stories that get buried under the flood of headlines of shit. So on to um, our next, what's our next one? So our next one is medical malice. And uh, what happened here is the director of the uh, medical board of California was stalked. She was staked out at her home. People surveilled her children going to school. People surveilled her taking her child to school. And then four individuals with coats that indicated they were from America's frontline doctors got out of their car and confronted this woman in an empty parking garage. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. I mean, this is this is a violation of stalking uh, criminal law. It is a violation of stalking civil law in California. These people need to be punished for their actions. Uh, they they stated to the police. The police were called. They stated to the police, "Oh, we're making a movie and we wanted to interview her." That's fine. You contact her office. You set up. You know, you set up an interview. You don't jump at the lady in an abandoned parking garage. Absolutely unacceptable. And this it, sounds like an escalation. Pure... Yes, go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say it's in, it's intimidation, right? Right. Um, it, every single fascist movement ever does this, right? Yeah. They 
they pick a group of people to target and they terrify them and they try and get them out of the their offices they try to make them quit they try to disable them emotionally and psycho and psychologically to the point that they're too scared to do what they have to do like you know take care of the health of an entire state um and and it, it is the nazis all of it all of it parallels and 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 there's a lot of there's you know people get upset because you talk about the nazis too much well look history history not only rhymes but here it's just plagiarism all yeah. of it is the same playbook it's the exact yeah it's the exact same playbook and what they're doing is they're taking you know i i am a troll online you know i i grew up on the 4chan and all that uh but what they're doing is they're taking the trolling and they're bringing it into real life yeah. and you you can see this i mean if you go as far um you know yes there are historical examples but look what happened to marjorie taylor green's opponent he was trolled out of yes. the race yeah, he had to drop up yeah oh, his life was blown up and we're not yep. examining our own history recent history closely enough we're really not this is the part where the drinking game starts where you say this is stochastic terrorism <laughs> right. yes uh no seriously they're escalating it and uh, when i worked at al jazeera america i did a lot of stories on climate change and the big oil would always trot out their harvard pedigreed degrees up the yin yang you know uh scientist who would cite all these studies and cite all these facts and he was making a couple million dollars a year just like big tobacco they always give these people a seat at the table when we're trying to sort fact from fiction just like big tobacco paid you know their experts and so what we really have here now is of course this medical you know i'm a doctor uh experts uh clearly not revealing who's really paying them to be incredibly disruptive but as we're going to say and as we're going to see when we talk about disinformed uh we should not be doing business with people who are killing people terrorizing people or you know using these stochastic terrorist methods we just shouldn't be doing business with them anymore they should not be rewarded for um for harming people not only should they not be rewarded they should be put in prison they're they're they are intentionally not not only harassing people in the real world That's but right. spreading deadly like literally deadly disinformation right telling people to take horse dewormer and you know magical hydrochloroquine instead of instead of you know actually getting vaccinated and not having to get sick in the first place right. um you know so I would go I would go further than let's not do business with them I would say anyone who's doing this is is committing attempted murder let's let's be clear I mean yeah. that's what it is You're that's why spreading medical disinformation that could kill people you are attempting murder and there's well, no, no no license for disinformation online who just got <clears throat> suspended recently unfortunately right but I think this also speaks to the importance of, of, of filing lawsuits and getting this stuff into trial. Because the only way that you have your expert against my expert, right, is when you know you bring your expert, I mean my expert, but you have to disclose who's paying them. 
right. part of the discovery process. It's part of the process of testifying. Um, yeah. When you have your expert up there, they always start every every time you question. So how much are you getting paid for these? Hey, Sean, your audio is cutting in and out, so maybe oh. there's just like a little loose thing. But yeah, but uh, repeat that gotcha. last line, please. I was just saying that you have to disclose when you're on the stand testifying as an expert how much you're getting paid. Yeah. And who's paying you. Thank right you. on. Uh, and let's just give a shout out to Dr. Nick Sawyer and the No Doctors for Disinformation crew because they have all right. stuck their neck out uh, in order to expose the disinform, uh, the doctors uh, using disinformation. And, and of course, we have followed the money. It's the same old damn thing. You know, America frontline doctors, we know they're profiting off of their uh, schemes in the millions. Um, so we do need our justice system to work. And uh, we have seen indications um, that it is working. It's just laboriously slow. But, uh, but thank you for uh, pointing that out. Um, I would love to move on to uh, your next story, unless there's anything else somebody wants to say. All right, let's keep it rolling. All right, final story is a feel-good story. Got to have some good news, right? Uh, this is friendly France and gracious Germany. And uh, what happened this week was Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, uh, he will be suing the president of the European Union for six months. And he met with the new chancellor of Germany, uh, Chancellor Schultz, who is a member of the... Uh, Democratic Socialist Party in Germany, and it was very friendly. It was they were very happy, and and the reason I want people to know about this story and to uh, understand this story is because the only way we're going to beat back the chaos and the disruption that Putin and his oligarchs and these you know elite, uh, highly status financial individuals across the globe uh, are trying to take down democracy. The only way we're going to beat them is if we form a larger collective, a stronger collective, more members. And I think uh, Macron and Schultz meeting together and having very good talks is a very good sign. Um, I would, we'll I, you know, especially it. with, yeah, well, with Russia trying to mess with Ukraine, yeah. um, all the other things that are going on around the world. Uh, yeah, Spain, honestly, I, I kind of think UK needs to get back in the EU to be, to be completely fair. Uh, but these are good things. Right. These are good things. They show a, a movement in the right direction. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy about it. We do yeah, joke. The UK absolutely needs to go back to the EU because that was stolen. <laughs> Uh, that, well, yeah, that, Brexit was a psyop. It's Brexit just, yeah. was a total psyop, yeah. just like the 2016 Ongoing. election was. It's the same people. It was Cambridge Analytica did both. Yeah. Right. Brexit was. And that would be Robert Mercer. But so Brexit was you... a warm up for for 2016. I mean. Right. And so yeah. Right. Yeah. Estonia let's, was let's, the warm up for the, the Ukraine. Back together. Yes. I, I, we we need to get the band back. We need the fucking allies versus the axis here, right? Mm -hmm. right? We need to get. I mean, we need to get super serious about like whose side is on, on what side mm -hmm. at this point. Like it's sorting hat time. I'm sorry, but that's right. Um, you're 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 either a fucking fascist and a theocrat or not. Please choose. If you are not and you are doing anything at all to fight it. You you are a friend of 
the show and of mine. And I will tell you that Trump's desperation to stay in power is directly related to all of this stuff. Putin's been trying to break up NATO so he can pull his country out of the dustbin of history and rebuild the Soviet Union. And having Trump in power put us on the wrong side of that axis, right? So now we are back with a president who is clearly on the right side of democracy. And this is war. And you're so right. We need our allies. As imperfect as things may be, uh, they still seem to have to do deals with Putin on, you know, energy, which is very frustrating because he really should be treated like the war criminal he is. Uh, but, you know, one step at a time. And so, again, we'll take the good news where we can get it. Right. Right on. So thank you so much for that incredibly insightful uh, Why It Matters segment. And now we're going to be moving on to the hellscape. Jim Stewartson's hellscape. Oh, fuck. Every time. Every time. Every time. All right. So, take it away, sorry, Jim Stewartson. Sorry. <laughs> so what's our oh fuck this week, Jim? Come on. Uh, are we starting we with have, the, I think I think we're starting with Assange. Assange. Yeah, let's let's start with Assange. We were talking about Vladimir Putin, of course. Yes. Nice. Um look. Uh this is this is bad news for a lot of people who believed that Assange was a, a you know a force for for good in the world, and I think there are arguably things that you know WikiLeaks did along the way that were that were positive. Um, however, <laughs> Julian Assange is not your friend. He is not a good person in any way. He's an anarchist. He's an anti-Semite. Um, and he is a mercenary for he is a, a um, an arsonist for hire I think is what what called him um, and in 2010 2011 he started doing business with Peter Thiel after Palantir tried to uh, him and suddenly um, starting in 2012 he was openly working with the Kremlin um, it's, this is just all historic it's a it's the, it's not you know, he was on RT. He had a show. He there. had a show. Yes. Uh, it, it's not. We're, we're not in speculation land, right? Um, and um, in 2016, he, by then, he was a pure Russian cutout. Mm -hmm. Like, period. That's what WikiLeaks was, along with Guccifer, and WikiLeaks was used extensively in all of Mike Flynn's psyops in 2016, um, which stole the election. All the Podesta emails, mm -hmm. all of that stuff um, came from WikiLeaks and was validated by it. That's it, it. It was weaponized, you know, a long time ago, 2010, 2011, um, and you know, ever since. Um, you know, it's been basically a fascist operation uh, with, um, you know, working as a Russian cutout. And to those and, who say that, yes, go ahead. Uh, just, uh, uh, I know that's bad news for a lot of people. A lot of people got wrapped up in the whole WikiLeaks kind of thing, including people on the left 
who are good people who somehow managed to kind of overlook the fact that Assange is tweeting literal anti-Semitic stuff, you know, at the same time. Um, you know, it's just part of the that whole sort of disinfo, you know, radicalization soup that happened back then where a lot of people got psyoped in a lot of different directions. And one thing I just want to say to those you're speaking of on the left who confuse him for a journalist. No, he's not a journalist. I'm, I'm a journalist. I've been one my whole fucking life. And we're not thieves. You don't steal. You know, we don't go on Russia Today and have shows. And mind you, it's very important to look what, uh, what has he done to expose any negative thievery or criminalization of Russia, nothing. Just seems kind of obvious to me. Yeah, it's it's like when I first started looking into QAnon, I immediately knew that this thing was supported by the Russians because there was zero negative information about Russia in the entire cult. And anytime Putin was mentioned, he's on a fucking horse with his shirt off, right? right? Like. Like, you, you just look at the output of whatever the operation is to see what its purpose is, right? right? It was very obvious to me that there was Russian influence, and, of course, it turned out to be, you know, like, even worse than, you know, I imagine. Right. Um, and I and just, I just it's just wonder... important to understand this guy is not your hero. Yeah. Like you can you can believe in some of the the things that he said. You can believe some of the operations that they did and the information they shared were positive. That I I, I you know we could have that conversation. I think, but please don't you know mistake him for a for some kind of fucking free speech hero because that ain't true. I just wonder how many people know the backstory of uh, anonymous the H B Gary hacks the Stratfor hacks. And the information that came out that showed, yes, we are going to run psychological operations against Julian Assange. And they never stopped. Right. Of course they didn't. You know, and and they, they did turn him. And yeah, one thing with QAnon, everybody's like, uh, you know, QAnon, save the children. And yet nobody in QAnon talks about the fact that Semyon Mogilevich runs one of the largest, uh, you know, child kidnapping and sex trafficking networks in the damn world. Yeah. And, and they wow. never talk about that. Always, they, they also really talk about the influence of Tracy Beans and getting that Russian push early on. That popped them. Oh, uh, the Internet China. Research Agency. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. 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 They pushed well, them over the chains and out into into regular social media. Uh, when I watched Cat uh, and Charles film the second time, Disinformed, which I did today, which is why I'm in a mood, you know, uh, I really, I really got the ISIS connection and how women are pulled in through being radicalized Great through job. these trauma videos, save the children, save the children, just like they did with ISIS. And we'll talk more again when we have our guests on, but everything no, that you've a, been that's, saying. That's not a coincidence, right? That's right. Mike Flynn that's right. was in Afghanistan and learned right. all those techniques and that's saw right. exactly how they were radicalized yeah. and even wrote a paper suggesting that some of those techniques should be used in America. Yeah. Moreover, in 2010, there was they, he was sending uh, he was doing psyops on senators who were going to Afghanistan um, to try and increase the budget for his um, you know division. And that was so, why you know, I brought ISIS, it up for ISIS that point. ISIS was, exactly. was not an enemy at the end of the day for them. It was a model. Oh my God! 
Uh, let's just let that sit there for a second. Uh. All right, uh, Phil Walden's PowerPoint. Let's, oh let's get let's get to something just complete. Yeah. Let's get to absurdist theater in the hellscape. Treason.pptx. So, so absurd. So speaking of Afghanistan and psyops, Phil Waldron, a army psyop officer, um, you know, for a long time, uh, worked for Mike Flynn in Afghanistan. Phil Waldron um, passed, created and passed around a 38-page PowerPoint presentation um, that um, basically laid out the plan to topple American democracy through disinformation and election fraud. Like, it's fucking right there. And Phil Waldron works for Flynn. He, he works for Mike Flynn. He is an army psyop officer, and his job is to go out there and and um, spread this shit. And he met with Mark Meadows eight to ten times before one six. Let that fucking sink in. Mike Flynn's psyop guy made a thirty-eight page presentation. Met with Mark Meadows eight to ten times, and then won six at. Well, not so, only that, but he was at uh, Lindell's. Uh, oh yeah, whatever. He, yeah, I mean, Waldron's all over the place. He's at, at yeah. almost all the you know the health and freedom fucking psyops that that Mike Flynn is constantly doing. Um, you know, he's he is out there. You know, he's totally you know, Mike Flynn's lieutenant or one one of many, but, you know, a high-level lieutenant in this thing and actually delivered the plan to Mark Meadows, which almost overturned our democracy and would have, if, except for the, the parliamentarian. Like, shout out to the goddamn parliamentarian. If you look back in history, you're going to find out that there's one refusal of the parliamentarian that saved our actual democracy because otherwise pence would have gone along with it wow. you guys want to watch that footage yeah, yeah. Okay. your team has done an incredible job of tracking the actual voter fraud so i'm going to start with slide number 16 here we're going to have you walk us through this um you know clearly the chinese communist party has had serious financial control of dominions voting machines and the CCP control of testing for the Smartmatic software operating those Dominion voting machines. When we go to the next slide, I'd like you to kind of walk us through, um, you know, uh. how this process has unfolded. But more importantly, I'd like to understand, you know, well, I'll let you get to the next slide and then I'll get with the next question. How's that? I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself here. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Go ahead for slide 17. So, so, so first, off, just let me uh, attribute the work that has this uh, been done. This this slide was uh, used to present to members of Congress uh, to allow them to know exactly what had happened. Uh, we've spent a lot of time with the state legislatures and state senates and uh, state officials, uh, so they really had a good idea of what was happening. But the members of Congress, unless they were intricately involved in the state processes, they were largely unaware. Uh, so we spent quite a bit of time. Um, developing this project. And there are hundreds and hundreds of, as you may describe them, digital warriors 
that uh, contributed to these these products. So it's not the work of a of of one person, even a small team, but uh, a, a lot of work from a lot of folks. So, so we, who are some of the folks up. on the shut team? This guy Colonel up, Waldron. Man. I shut him up. Uh, so, so shut digital, him up. He's a, digital he's a liar. Uh, he misspoke. He meant d- digital soldiers, which is Mike Flynn's, um, you know, trademark phrase for all of the people that he psyops into yeah. doing his uh, dirty work. Um, anyway, um, shout out to Vision Surreal um, yeah. uh, at Thank Vision Surreal, who who found that does has done a lot of great work on Phil Waldron, um, so my friend Galson Bourbon, and a bunch of other people. Um, so thank you guys out there for, for blowing the whistle on this important thing. Um, also, just an interesting note, Laura Logan, yeah, um, who is an Eric Prince operative and has been for a decade, um, shared that PowerPoint on Twitter on yeah. January 5th. Yeah. Um, so Dominion can own her too? Just I mean, imagine how, I mean, part of the thing to realize is, right, this really is their last project, right? Because yeah. if this fails, they're, they know that it's over for them, right? So, yeah. so the, the absurdity of it all, the, 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 you know, sort of overtness and the shocking kind of like, wait, what? You know, Desperate, desperation it comes yeah. from desperation it comes from a place where they know that they're not we're now getting to the boss level of this thing and they're going to have to start just saying what they want and that's why mike flynn is out there doing what he's doing and starting to really break down these barriers between you know um lots of different things like religion and government like christianity and the occult and trying to break all of these things down so that he can control people I would like to think that the bloodhounds are nipping at some of these folks' heels, including Flynn. I know that we just have the January 6th committee really doing the heavy lifting here. Um, But I would like to think that this kind of exposure, which to me looks so clearly to be treasony, would really have them not sleeping very well at night like that. that Something is coming and it ain't going to be good. I'd be glad to hear his name come out of the mouth of anybody in actual power. Yeah. Right. Like I haven't heard a fucking word about it from the president, from, you know, from yeah, you know, the big leaders, I, you know, um, Adam Schiff, you know, is doing his best and yelling. Um, Sheldon Whitehouse. But yeah. when's the last time you heard a, a, a politician talk about that dude or any of this really you know how they, is he still, still trying to frame military it in politics it's not fucking yeah. politics anymore right. it's either fascism or not right agreed and that's why we keep doing this and keep hammering Sorry, that Hancock. point home. What, what were you saying how is he, was, he still getting his pension that's what i want to know or, or have stars or anything right like anything at all yeah. Anyway, yeah, moving on, um, you know, uh, moving Phil, on. Yeah, we've got our guests watch sitting. Watch uh, this one because yeah, it, it, what's amazing still is the the you know like CNN is reporting on Phil Waldron, but just not saying that for some reason he was a psyops guy and worked for Flynn. Mm-hmm. It will come out and it'll start. It'll all come together and you know, um, but you know, in the meantime, keep an eye. Yeah, thank you so much. 
All right. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get through the next uh, couple of minutes here so we can get our guests on. I'm so excited. What's next, guys? Where are we going? Oh, Where are we at? well, we have a little bit of Tony Robbins, I think, to finish this off. Um, yeah. If, if we have to, if we have to, yeah, I'm going to have to unplug for you're gonna this. Play, you're going to play some Tony Robbins? You guys ready? Yeah, let's talk about oh, Tony God, Robbins. Oh, God, no. They're destroying vaccinated people. That's kind of confusing to me. The vaccine works. You're protected, aren't you? Tell it! How can unvaccinated people be a threat to you? Besides that, 100 million Americans are unvaccinated. They're not all crazy people. Do you know the number one group that is vaccine resistant? Now they study PhDs. That's enough. You'll see in the uh, up in the corner there. PhDs, it was yeah. it was shared. I found that on Telegram in like a neo-Nazi channel. And up there in the corner, it said at the Eagle 88, 88 stands for Heil Hitler. That was being shared in Nazi channels, um, you know, um, by Nazis to radicalize each other. Tony Robbins, right? Um, and and well, part of the reason I, I, I bring this up is because of the consequences that, that some of our, you know, most important and prominent people um, of the things that they say and the people they platform. Um, I've been watching Oprah Winfrey, for example, for 40 years and admire her intensely for, for all of the things that she's accomplished and, and the good she's done. But the fact is that she's platformed a lot of very dangerous information, disinformation people like Tony Robbins um, and like Mehmet Oz, um, who, is, who uh, she produces his show um, and happens to be um, an Erdogan asset, like, mm -hmm. you know, blatantly uh, mm -hmm. an, an asset of Turkey. And, um, you know, was working with Mike Flynn in 2016. You know, it's, it's very dark, not to mention the blatant grifting disinformation anti-vax bullshit he's been spreading for many years. Mm -hmm. um, and he's trying to become senator. Right. Yeah. And part of the reason why he has any chance of that uh, is because he was validated by Oprah Winfrey. Mm -hmm. And and I'm here to say, again, as an admirer of hers, she needs to come out and say, I'm sorry that I platformed this guy. He's dangerous. He's saying dangerous things mm -hmm. um, and you should not vote for him. He's only two points down. In the last polls. Oh my God, that's terrifying. The, the idea that 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 guy, who's a sociopath, by the way, who said uh, the, to to back up Trump's nonsense yeah. about vaccines, said, "Oh, we should we should reopen the schools because it'll really only cost us two or three percent mortality among right. kids." Right. So, uh, fuck you, Doctor Oz. <laughs> well, we have a J.D. Vance problem. We have a Dr. Phil problem. So your your point is well taken. We discussed this a little bit last week. I think that you're 100% right. Oprah needs to proactively get out there and make bold statements uh, to, you know, uh, let her, you know, incredibly powerful, you know, viewership, the platform she has, know that she's not behind this because, uh, you know, 
this is disinformation, which is what we're getting into. But I also think yeah. that we have a reality TV problem that's infected our country. We have a, you know, Facebook sharing problem and we have a number of things. And this is the most incredibly perfect segue to get to our guests. This is going to be such an honor. Um, Dr. Charles Creel, Kat Gellin, uh, filmmakers, producers, brilliantly talented people. Uh, they've both created two of the most critically important films on the exposing this influence war that we are all dealing with. Um, I would think that the disinformed film, which is their latest, would be very personal to Kat. I think that it actually came through some of the communities that you were a part of. And uh, I would love you guys just to both jump in, tell our viewers a little bit about who you are, and yeah. then let's dive right into Disinformed. And they also got a great quote from someone for their uh, show here. Oh, hey, that Heidi Kuda. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard she was a swell kid. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when I saw that, I was so happy. I felt I like Steve Martin and the jerk. I'm like, the new phone book's here on somebody book, now. <laughs> nice looking out, Sean. All right, you guys, you look fabulous, both of you. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much for having you, having us on your show, guys. We're uh, honored to be here as well. Yes, greetings from all. Yeah, uh, yes, please go ahead. Um, I just, yeah, we're so honored because our guests are phoning in from the UK and you guys, I think, are somewhere in, uh, am I allowed to say? Well, we're in Oslo right now. We're seasoned yes. Londoners, though, and then we still feel like <laughs> just feel like we are, um, and we go back and forth all the time. But um, a little bit about us. I'm a filmmaker. Charles is a disinformation expert, of course, uh, and also the distinguished advisor to the uh, recent Joint Committee on uh, Writing Law for Online Harms, for the first being the first committee to do so um, in the world. Uh, it's a joint joint committee means that it's a committee of uh, members of parliament and members of the House of Lords, uh, and it's <clears throat> it's a UK thing. And um, <clears throat> while the EU is writing law about online harms, and the US is contemplating writing law on online harms, nobody's really grabbed the the bit the way that the UK has, and I don't think that the um, committees have been as well informed as they are in the UK and there's a real appetite in the UK both in the government and in Parliament and in the House of Lords um, to actually do something uh, about the uh, harmful online environment that we're living in right now and to try to fix it and you know it's really hard legislating the internet is really really hard Ra railing against the internet is really easy I do it a lot uh, <laughs> But, but when you actually have to sit down and do the discussions about it, about how do we legislate this? Oh, wait, but there's journalism. Uh, you know, how do we how do we stop children from being hurt? Oh, wait, but there's free speech. It really gets quite difficult. It's been an extraordinary process. It's been really happy. Let me say I'm talking a lot about it because it comes out. Our, our report comes out on Tuesday um, uh, this week. That's the 14th of December. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, it's going to be exciting. We were on the front page of every, uh, newspaper, uh, when the Facebook whistleblower came in and spoke with us. And I expect, uh, that there'll be an awful lot of press about this come Tuesday. Fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure there's a more important thing in, in the world than figuring out 
how to um, regulate and make safe the online environment, right? Because I mean, we spent hundreds of years doing that for the physical environment, right? And dealt with all those same sort of issues, free speech, you know, free assembly versus, you know, uh, harassment, all of those sorts of kind of balances. And, you know, the fact is the internet came up as this entirely new reality that's just as emotionally and psychologically important to people as the real world is. And we don't have any of those regulations or safety you know, um, features in place, right? If somebody, 50 people attack you in the grocery store, you call the cops. They do it on Twitter. What do you do? Twitter safety yeah. isn't going to do anything. And, I, and, I and, and we need it. We need a way to, to make it not legal for people to, to get psychologically hurt. Yes, and it's been an extraordinary journey. I mean, we're talking about this this law also in relation to to our um, our films, the disinformed, the latest one, and also last year's one, which I know y'all are familiar with, mm -hmm. uh, people you may know. And that journey really started in 2018 when Charles started advising uh, the first committees that looked into Facebook and Cambridge Analytica's wrongdoing. Uh, and it's been uh, quite a short and sharp journey, really, when you think about that the social media companies have had years just as a free-for-all and to use teenagers as experiments and use yep. vulnerable people as, uh, you know, experimental ground to, to spread disinformation and to sell stuff. And that's an interesting metaphor that you bring up, uh, using, using teenagers uh, as, as a ground for experiment because the attitude in Silicon Valley, as, as y'all will all know, is that you you know, you release your product as quickly as you can and certainly before it's ready and then you test on your audience. Um, you're, you're doing your testing in that way. But, you know, probably about 10 years ago, um, engineers and software uh, coders uh, stopped being the most important person in the room when it came to work on platforms. And the most important people in the room were the behavioral designers. And as soon as the behavioral designers became dominant, and as soon as behavioral economics became a reality in all of our lives, uh, and something that we were conversant in and something that there were professionals about, um, then the switch went from, well, our code's not ready, to our behavioral design is not ready. Right. And we're still going to test it on that. Yeah. That's the that's the move fast and break stuff motto of Facebook, mm -hmm. right? They, yeah. They, they yeah just did, we just didn't realize that they were breaking the, the break teenagers. Right. When, and we have a generation of, of trauma Zynga now. Is uh, if, if you go back to Farmville, if everybody remembers Farmville, mm -hmm. um, the, the that was the worst game in the entire world, right? Like, who the hell cares about farming digital carrots? But they had literal warehouses full of PhD psychologists and behavioral scientists going through every single possible piece of analytics they could and figuring out the exact thing to suck in the the whales at the top who are paying 60% of their revenue and suck in the other millions and millions and millions of other people that needed to kind of support that whole ecosystem. And, um, you know... It goes back to it goes to what Facebook did recently, which is design its algorithm knowingly to radicalize people 
right? Mm-hmm. Instead oh, of yeah, to instead of to to do it about what's interesting, it's about what's engaging, which basically means what makes them angry. Exactly. I mean, we are um, Kyle Taylor, who's in uh, Disinformed, who's in the film. Um, he wrote a book called Little Black Book of Data and Democracy. And in it, he's, he's kind of tried to break down disinformation and how social media broke the world in a really easy, straightforward way. And he talks about uh, farm, farm mills specifically uh, as uh, this innocent little thing that people thought they were playing. And of course, it was a complete data rake and, uh, and, and uh, psychological profiling. So. so what I would like to do now, um, first of all, just Jim, Jim uh, was one of the early uh, people working in the augmented reality space, which is why 18 months ago he recognized what QAnon was up to. High Fidelity is a systems architect, so he's able to really do this kind of research. Uh, and of course, Sean has a litigation company, so he sees corporations doing this kind of uh, mind psyoping on people uh, and major, major swaths of the population. Um, but just wanted to say, um, when I met Hi-Fi, he, the first thing he said is you've got to track down Charles Creel and Kat Gellin and see people you may know. And that is the very first thing yeah. I did. And he, he tells everybody he knows to do that because it is so important. We had Brent Allpress on talking about how we now have a generation of trauma victims and we have to deal with it. And that really framed it very well for me. Sean, I'd love for you to show the clip from the film that we yep. isolated, if you have it. I do. I this do. is disinformed with the backslash. Disinformed. The QAnon photos. This one says, diversity will never bring her back. I mean, this could have been a picture taken in 1939. And the idea is that it's always white children. One day they will ask, why didn't you fight for my future? Overwhelmingly white children battered and bruised because they understood their audience were the yoga moms. Because they understood their audience were the yoga moms. QAnon's audience was the yoga moms? Kat, can you respond to that? Well, that's uh, Dr. Mia Bloom there. She's uh, she's fantastic. She's an asset that Charles has interviewed uh, before. And um, she wrote a fantastic book called Pastels and Pedophiles Inside the Mind of QAnon. Uh, along with Sofia Moskalenko, who's a psychologist. Um, and they, they're both in the film talking about this. Uh, so last year I started, I mean, I think in spring, actually, as early as that, I started sort of seeing this extreme information being spread on yoga forums. And I've, uh, I'm a bit of a natural person myself. I'm done yoga for many years. Um, I've been part of sort of natural birthing forums because uh, we had a home birth ourselves. And um, perhaps some of the skepticisms of certain parts of uh, Western medicine that a lot of people have. But then this kind of extreme stuff started creeping in. And I said to Charles at the time, you know, if we followed up on people you may know, maybe we would want to do something along the lines of in that space of of looking into why the left, the far left and the, the traditionally quite liberal spaces 
of women particularly uh, were being radicalized. So that's that's where we started from. And it, it's not a continuation directly of people you may know, but it's uh, certainly in the same world. Yeah, that, that absolutely is, is very much. I, I really liked how you guys um, explained the, the sort of circling back on itself, right? The politics is in the linear line. It, it forms itself into a circle and sort of left. And yes, right. rather than left and right. It was a great, great explanation yeah. and graphic, I think, to, to get and that point you. across. Yes, um, that's a, yeah, that's that's Kyle again um, talking of that in the film that that politics is is uh, not when you, when you come far out to the left and far out to the right, he thinks of politics more of a circle because they end up meeting in the middle. Uh, it, it's the horseshoe, right? It's uh, it the the horseshoe that brings the the you know extreme right and the extreme left together, um, you know, into a third position. Uh, it's an old um, KGB tactic to to divide governments um, yeah. is to basically get the extreme of you know two two sides to create a third position that you know more or less brings down um, the entire system. Um, briefly, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Mia Bloom, um, who is a bigger friend than I think uh, anybody will ever realize. Um, um, so thank you, Mia. Uh, and uh, I wanted to to just just sort of amplify the the point about um, uh, targeting women and and targeting moms and targeting leftists. Um, a lot of the the propaganda that you know I've seen um, is specifically targeted at at women and moms. All the save save the children stuff. You know, it starts with the lie of 800,000 kids a year disappearing, right? Mm -hmm. And if you go to Google and you say, how many kids disappear every year, that number comes up. Mm -hmm. And that little, that little piece of sort of quasi disinformation, which is, that's not true. Everyone thinks of 800,000 kids being kidnapped off the streets. That's absolutely mm -hmm. not. It includes every kid who got lost in 7-Eleven, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's... It's not remotely the scale of the problem. And that little bit of disinformation will suck people into this sort of vortex where suddenly it's a cas cascading world of, of you know, child-eating Satanists and all yeah. this other stuff. Um, and it all comes down to, to traumatic disinformation that dissociates people and puts them in a very vulnerable state right. where this this doctrine can come in and they they you know get brainwashed and that's sort of the the beginning of the process and and it really especially breaks my heart about moms the, the vulnerability is what's really important here yes. whether you're talking about the horseshoe whether you're talking about active measures as as you did jim um, um whether you're talking about the way that islamic state um, targets people in Islamic State has a number of different approaches um, that they take. I mean, I've been out working in in um, in Iraq and and, and and both on on um, countering disinformation, supporting journalists, and also um, countering radicalization. I do a lot of work in war zones along these lines in the interest of of the civil society. Um, but what you always get consistently is the targeting of the vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, and it's really not that hard if you think it through. Um, take any 
any of the big lies that we got from QAnon. Um, take any number of other big lies that you might have. Take your 800,000 people. You know, if you lay out the base essential concepts uh, and, and the argument um, that they're trying to get vulnerable people to believe, and you listen to that, it's like, no, well, that's bullshit. Of course, this, this, no one's going to believe that unless there's something wrong. And when there is something wrong, then you latch on to ideas that are not necessarily rational because they try to help you get, you're trying to get through your day and you're trying to find belief. Um, and so we're, we're dealing with a lot of people who are unwell, who are also in fact being targeted by a lot of people who are unwell. Yeah. You're also, uh, I think, you know, when a lot of people say vulnerable, you, I mean, of course there's, there's grades, there's scales here. Um, but we all might think of some, somebody who's been traumatized and you think, oh, that's not me. You know, I'm a, I'm a together person. And in both, in the case of both disinformed and people you may know, I, I kind of use myself as an example of going, well, you know, to all appearances, I'm a pretty together person. I've, I've, I've got a good life. But if you put me in the context of, as we did in people you may know, um, I lost both my parents very young and I, my grandparents were evangelical. If somebody had pulled me into one of the grief programs we address in that film at the right time, in the right spot, when I was searching, when I was grieving, when I was lost and vulnerable and lonely, it's much more likely because things like with abuse, nobody hits you the first time. It's right. gradual. Everything is always gradual, gradual until it becomes extreme. And the same thing with, with disinformed now, you know, no, I wouldn't advise, you know, giving birth completely unassisted. I would never have considered that. But of course, if you got me at the right time um, and, and you, you know, somebody pushed on, you know, well, really, do you trust doctors? Haven't they failed you? Haven't, you know, do, doesn't the medical system fail women all the time? Do they not listen to us, you know? Um, and, you know, just push me just on the right buttons to go, you know what, you should just do it completely alone. Be in your power, be strong, be, be, a, right. be your own woman and give birth under a bush with no help at all and possibly bleed to death. But it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be your parents have died as well. And, and, and that certainly, that certainly applies, but it can be, you've lost your job, your, yeah. your girlfriend yeah. has dumped you, your emotional stress, society. Yeah and disturbed, you're under extreme financial duress. Any of these things that make us feel vulnerable and put us in a position where we're looking for some kind of other truth, where we're likely to get caught in an internet loop, right? Mm -hmm. um, all, all of these places are, are vulnerable places. And, yeah. and well, that's why they, they went after the wellness community, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. they assume if you're, if you're interested in a wellness community that, you know, something isn't quite right. And, you know, it's sadly that, you know, I think that's largely the case. Even people who are in, go to yoga classes, they're looking for a place to relax, to be open, to, to, you know, get to not be in their everyday lives. And those are the moments that a lot of people get targeted. And, you know, and, and a lot of the reason yoga centers have been so overrun is because it, you're in that vulnerable position and people take advantage of you and we're yeah. all in a vulnerable position right now under COVID. that's right yes yeah. right we've and been traumatized for five years now right COVID so, and lockdown are not going to be over for two or three more years so yeah. it's, it's it's a really dangerous time 
Disinformed did such a great job of seeking out the best people to break down this very, very complex web. And so I really appreciate how you uh, isolated the best people to interview, how you actually were willing to spotlight the dirty dozen, because it's not that many people putting out all of this crap when you really go to the top of the pyramid, it was also great how you showed, of course, when you follow the money, which is what I always believe in, you always find how there are angles that they profit off of this stuff on. Before I get on to a couple of the questions I have, Hi-Fi was about 45 minutes into watching Disinformed when he had to go punch a wall. I think he has the evidence oh, of it on, on his hand still. Oh, no, uh, didn't. Yeah, he did because, uh, you know, we are we are talking about vulnerable population what your film really revealed was the percentage of people that they were targeting who did have a very high percentage of people 36 plus percent had experienced trauma those targeting them are aware of that and i think that's probably right about the time that hi-fi uh had to stop because it is it's an emotional experience we'll we'll end on on a positive note but before we get there i definitely want to talk about a bit about the dirty dozen and i'd like to also really zoom out and ask has tech broken our world and do we need to just shut down the internet for a minute until we get a handle on it like we need like solutions fast well don't you know heidi they're the information dozen now and they've been the victims of a terrible terrible disinformation campaign <sighs> i'm still on the kelly brogan's email list and i get emails weekly They've made their own little short documentary to counter uh, uh, the Center for um, Countering Digital Hates. Uh, well, stealing or narrative framing is something that comes up in your film, which I think is very important. Those perpetuating these harms uh, on people are very, very good at stealing reality and framing it toward them and using their verbal jujitsu against us. Um, yeah. So any of that you guys want to address, it's all very important. Well, this it's is really important. I mean, for, for the listeners who don't know, so there was a report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate run by uh, a wonderful man called Imran Ahmed, uh, who is a Londoner. And uh, he the report details 12 people who spread about 65% of anti-vax uh, and disinformation content in the US. Uh, they also have tendrils far outside the US as well. Some of them are very popular in the UK. Um, and of course, there's more than just 12, but, the, but these were the key sort of 12 who have, have really profited specifically off of deadly disinformation, a, a lot around vaccines, of course, uh, during COVID. And um, yeah, they're, they're often couples. Uh, they often run sort of green alternative health websites that are very, very profitable. Some of them have been around for decades and they've also sort of shifted their material now during COVID. When they see what's profitable, they shift and they go, okay, well, this is getting a lot of clicks. So they will say the most utter nonsense to just drive clicks and drive more subscribers and drive more, more revenue. Uh, and that, that's been Imran's focus with, with the Center for Countering Digital Hate to that we should not be doing business with people who profit from that. That's right. Absolutely. And Charles, what do you say? Um, well, I'm, I'm interested in what you have to say about should we just shut off the internet for a minute because a reboot would be wonderful. Um, and, but, but we all know that, you know, this is, this is the, 
it's the engine of commerce now and and the engine of international industry and and we're not we're not about to shut everything down um and facebook unfortunately meta is very unlikely to be dismantled um on on um you know for being a monopoly uh nor is google so really the only answer that we have in terms of very fast um response is really strong legislation and it's time for that you know i've been on the internet since 1988 um a really long time um and the at the beginning of every new technology there's always both a utopian and a declensionist dialogue about it um you know on the one hand it's going to bring peace and democracy and and wonder to the entire world and everyone will have a voice and we'll 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 join in our global community and and things will be great um and then there's the declensionist uh, uh dialogue that goes it's going to make our children do heroin and have sex in the streets um and neither of those things happens um but in this case we've got pretty damn close um on you know on both sides and in a lot of ways you know here we all are we're all aware of maria ressa um we wouldn't have been aware of maria ressa in 1988 uh before the entire world had got on the internet um not at least not until she won the nobel prize but you know we're we're aware of her because we're aware of rappler and we're aware of the work that she does and it's incredible um that that we have that kind of power there anyway we've run unbridled the tech pros have had their chance they got to try it out um they got to they got there's a reason that the metaphor for the internet is the wild west um and and, and a man named jamie king has written a really excellent phd on that subject by the way why it is the metaphor um but this it's 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 time for us to change this it's time for us to apply the same rules that we apply in real life to what's online. And I think some really fantastic things are about to happen. Um, and I feel very positive about it. God, I hope so. You know, because I, I, I do have, I gotta, I gotta ask real fast. So, you know, in, in, in people, you may know, uh, you track down a lot of the funding behind, uh, glue and Communio and crew to the council for national policy. Yeah. Uh, with disinformed, are, are, do you see the same players paying for this information to be pushed out? America's frontline doctors, et cetera. Is it the same people paying for this continuously over and over and over? Are there different funding sources? And I don't know if you remember this, but I did live tweet people you may know on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you remember that way back when I was. Well. <laughs> we were in America before he was banned. <laughs> before I was banned 18 times, but yeah. No, in fact, From I remember hailing Charles saying, hey, Charles, this guy's live tweeting people you know. It's great. Uh, and got some great comments. I, I, I wanted to actually uh, quickly say something about the segment just before we came on. You were mentioning the PowerPoint, uh, which we're by now <laughs> familiar with. But what's interesting is if you remember in people you may know, we had extract from a 2019 October CNP meeting where Mike Pence was present, where uh, uh, Chad Connor and Charles in disguise, um, where uh, a dire the director of Faith Wins called Chad Connolly standing on stage talking about sponsoring voter drives 
and buying voter machines and doing the exact same thing um, that's been distributed in this PowerPoint. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm a little dismayed at how prophetic that film has turned out to be. Right. But you're asking if you know these are the same people. We didn't dig into the finance as much with, in Disinformed as we did with people you may know. But what I do know is um, towards the end of the film, so we didn't feature it extensively, but this school board thing that's happening yeah. where people are literally fighting tooth and nail uh, to not wear masks, to not have their kids vaccinated, to keep schools open, and it's happening across America. And and um, my sister-in-law, uh, uh, Charles's uh, brother's wife, sits on a school board in Pennsylvania, and people have been voted in that have uh, incredibly powerful funding behind them, yeah. who, and of course, they're against critical race theory, uh, they're against vaccinations, they're against masking, and this is CNP affiliate organizations sponsoring yeah. these people. These are CPACs. These are the, these are the same sort of funding that they were standing on stage talking about, that yeah. this is important. Get out in the community, get out, get out in the churches, get out in the schools, and change it from the ground up. Right. Well, the, the Tea Party was the, was the CNP as well, yeah. just, just as uh, a reminder for people who don't know, yeah. it's the same exact play, right? It's just... It's not organic. Far more powerful now because you know they've they've honed their craft, and the internet is a lot more powerful. Sean, but what did if you people have... gonna wake up and realize billionaires are manipulating the crap out of them? Yeah, right. Yeah. Sean, what, didn't you? Do you have a question too? Yeah. Well, what's really? Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go please. You. You. you yeah. You're our guest. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I wanted to say was, what's really important here is that's the kind of people who are doing this kind of work, who, who are perpetuating this. And our next project um, that we're working on very much addresses that. And I think you're best positioned to speak about it. Well, so there's a few things and we, we have, y'all are the first uh, we're gonna talk to about this. So there, there's a few things we couldn't, uh, didn't have time to put in the film. Uh, and a few of the psychologists we talked to and uh, Imran Ahmed of the Center for Countering Digital Hate talk to about the kinds of people um, who perpetuate disinformation, who thrive off of chaos. Uh, Imran calls them uh, people with negative social potency. And so we can talk about vulnerability. We can talk about, you know, profiteering. We can talk about the different sides of uh, not participating in society as you should. And we have a project coming up about everyday narcissism and psychopathy. And I ended up talking Wonderful. to psychologists about this and she said, yes, you're dead right. People who do not want to participate in society the way that, and they don't see society as we do, they see it as a tool for their use. They, um, they don't see masking as something you have to do. Protecting other people isn't something you have to do. And let me qualify this. She's talking about Anders Breivik's psychiatrist. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, I just have to say this, this, you made me so happy. This is the most important thing for people to understand. Sociopathy, the difference between sociopathy and psychopathy, for example, all, you know, how basically cults sort of create sociopathy, right? They get rid of empathy. Um, what you're talking about is so important and, and I, I couldn't be happier you're, you're hitting this subject. Um, the the empathy deprived and how they Wonderful. change right. basis and um, I, I was just very interested to see that without 
prompting for me at all. Several of the people we interviewed for Disinformed spoke about this negative social potency thing, this not, not, not interested in protecting other people, not interested in participating yeah. in societal things that protect other people. Yeah. And we know who those people are, really. We all know uh, that they're on a spectrum of sociopathy or psychopathy, um, which means lack of empathy, essentially. Yeah. Many, many traits. That's the most important and, one. And what's, what's really fun is, I mean, we've, we've talked to people from, from uh, Breivik's psychiatrist, for example, um, all the way through to, uh, to authors like uh, Paula Hawkins, who wrote The Girl on the Train, um, or Joe Nesbo, who's very, very famous thriller writer writing about psychopaths, um, to discuss the subject in general. Um, but what we're really concerned about, it's not the psychopaths who kill people. It's not the, uh, as, as Breivik's psychiatrist said, not the dumb ones, because the dumb ones end up in prison um, being treated by her. It's, yes. it's the really smart ones who sit in the C-suite. It's That's the right. really smart ones who produce the PowerPoint. Um, yeah. it, it, it's those that we're really concerned with. Yeah. Wow. By the way, my tweet about the PowerPoint um, said that uh, power corrupts and... Um, PowerPoint corrupts. PowerPoint corrupts, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's brilliant. Sean, I know you've been trying to say something. What's oh, on your mind? No, I was excited to hear about this. My wife is also a business partner, Ellen Connors, cell molecular biologist. And she's been looking as well as uh, the common the association between dopamine and uh, narcissism. And then oh, wow. The, the, yeah. the, tip, the, tip, the tip towards um, uh, having a schizophrenic episode with the manipulation of dopamine for someone who's already either bipolar one or two. Right. Which has been very interesting, and then that you know results in the social media addiction. And if someone is already on the spectrum there, and they get a flood of dopamine or, or a withdrawal of dopamine, they can tip into a mania, which we've seen with a lot of Karens, and we've seen this happen with a lot of um, sort of manic uh, QAnon episodes. So she's been writing up that theory for a while. There's an incredible moment. Thanks for that, Sean. There's an incredible moment in your film where you show a woman who's having one of those episodes. And she says Definitely. as she's being arrested, and, and Jim always is reminding us that this person's been traumatized. This person is in, uh, encountering trauma, but there's a moment where she said, have you seen the video about the kids? Like I know. She really I thinks know. she's doing something good. So um, She probably had been it. up all night. She probably had been up for a day or two in a manic state. And, yeah. and just for clarity, I don't think that she is a narcissist, but I do yeah. think she was delusional yeah. or she was in a delusional state right. when that happened. Well, um, and it's I, more I, like the narcissists and the ones without empathy are the ones that are pushing this like drug dealers right. on people. And I think that's one thing that should the, be clear. The, but I heard an important... time I watched that segment, I did just exactly that moment, Heidi, when, when she goes, have you seen have you seen this thing about the kids and and you know very revealing laugh at her and the headline sort of became oh she said you know i am the coronavirus and i actually honestly think she only misspoke she just right exactly i think yes. i have i think i am the coronavirus and that's not the headline of that story at all the headline is was traumatized and vulnerable she thought she had seen something the world needed to to be yeah. told and Trump radicalized her at a, at a yeah. reasonable moment. And go ahead, yeah, Jim. The, the, it's really important people understand that this, this stuff is, it's dissociation. 
um, that what what happens to people is they the brainwashing it's caused by trauma um, and they really are literally a different person than they were before um, the, the one thing I hear most most of all is I don't even recognize them I don't recognize my sister it's like it's her but it's somebody else right and the, and the reason for that is because it really is because they've been traumatized and had more or less their psychology opened up by trauma doctrine is put in and then they're love bombed by the community and kind of cemented all in and it becomes this this horrendous cycle of psychological violence that turns right. them into somebody that they were not um right. and it's just critical to understand i want to say one more thing and then i'll shut up um, um about psychopathy and sociopathy um, unfettered capitalism, not to get into a political discussion, but unfettered capitalism sorts um, sociopaths and psychopaths to the top, right? Because if you see other humans as numbers, you have a variety of options open to you that a normal person with feelings about other humans does not right you you can suddenly screw over your competitors you can lie you can cheat you can do whatever you want um if you don't care about you know other other human beings um and for me that's why they attack socialism right they that's not i'm not, I'm not here talking about a socialist you know dream state at all but the kind of social programs that they hate like welfare and you know things like that actually protect people and allow capitalism to work in a in a way that's humane um uh i i think really comes gets down to a lot of the bottom of this and then you could say the same thing about politics right if you t if you take any regulation out of it it just becomes a competition of personality and of narcissism thank you for that I think that's terrific. I think we should interview you, Jim, because I want to have that on camera. <laughs> yes, that's why we built a show around these guys, insights like that. Um, so we only have a couple of minutes left and there's two things I'd like to accomplish. Um, one thing is that Charles, having a background, a generational background as a carny, teaches you a thing or two about yes. grift. So can you, give, yeah. can you give one kind of quick summary of the the insight that something like that carries into the work that you do well my father um who, who was who was a good man but uh also raised a carney um taught me how to spot the addictive gambler walking down the midway wow. um and and to draw them draw them into the joint uh, joint is game um mm -hmm. that you're running and it's it's interesting. We were, um, I was sitting in Soho House in London a couple of weeks ago, texting with Kat, and I was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here with myself playing Spot the Psychopath, uh, <laughs> look, looking around the bar, trying, you know, and in some cases, it was so clear. It was so stunningly clear. Um, and so I think this, this thing of, of being able to spot these folks. Um, is something that I've carried with me for a very long time. Um, but when I began studying behavioral design in the digital space, and especially around the way that games work and so on, um, 
that that became really critical because now what we're doing is we're algorithmically spotting um, the addictive gambler, the vulnerable. Thank you. That's right. Yeah. And I'm we're so glad I asked. That was amazing. Uh, last thing I want to say is that in 2016, uh, I knew the pain that our country was going to uh, be put through. I knew Trump was going to win, and I knew what that was going to mean for the globe. And I remember writing a, a blog about how what we needed to give for Christmas that year was empathy. And I think it's true. And I think there's something very beautiful about the way you ended disinformed. We've talked a lot in the short time we've been doing this podcast about radical empathy, but I'd also like you just to speak on patience with loved ones mm -hmm. who are temporarily gone. Can you just give us a beautiful line? And then we will, uh, I think it's probably like midnight in uh, Norway right now. So yeah. well, you'll notice you said patience and Dr. Creel handed it over to me. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is hard, right? Because people have lost family members to, to this cult uh, over and over and over again in the last couple of years. And I, I, I have a friend myself, a very good friend, who was always an anti-vaxxer, but now she's just gone down the rabbit hole completely. And it's this thing of like, and all my other friends that are friends with her have gone, I've cut her out, I've shut her off, I can't stand it, can't listen to it anymore. And I haven't, and I really don't want to. And I really want to try to sit with her and just ask her and say, okay, what are you afraid of? What is, what, tell me the worst thing on your mind. Tell me, tell me how you're feeling right now, because if you can bear with that and the patience, maybe you'll, because not, not everyone is in, you know, the, the spectrum space of, of psychopathy that a lot of people are just vulnerable and they are just scared. And Lydia Green, our uh, ex anti-vaxxer in the film also said this, if you can have one crack, just form one crack um, in that wall of no, I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole and that's that. Um, maybe the whole wall can tumble. And you can only do that with em empathy and patience. There's a wonderful book written by a pastor called John Pavlovitz in, in the US right now called, uh, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. that. Uh, he also talks about radical empathy and, and our hearts are weary right now during COVID, during Trumpism and everything else, but that, you know, you're not alone and that we, we just have to stick with that. If I can just add one thing to that, you know, you can radicalize people at scale, but we have to bring people back one at a time. Yep. Wow. 100%. God, this is the part where one of our viewers said there needs to be a warning banner before I get emotional. So this is your warning banner. I'm getting emotional. Um, our hearts are weary. Yeah. yeah. So, we have to stay close to people because if they reappear, they'll trust us because we didn't yeah. hurt uh, them. Hey, just a shout out to Dr. Stephen Hassan. Um, says that's the most important thing you can do is simply stay in touch with them, right? Give them the opportunity to come back, right? Yeah. If all of their roadways back to, to reality are closed, there's there's no way for them there's no nothing for them to find right and and at the end of the day it's them who has to find their way out you can be there with them you can shine a light and and show it to them right but you can't make them 
them do it. And so I'm, I'm just really, really glad you said that. Um, Me too. You know, and and uh, follow Dr. Hassan, everyone, cult yeah. expert. Uh, it was been, his sister. It was his sister, like years. Jim said. Yeah. And and it's it's just really important. Um, these are not monsters. They are neighbors. They are sisters and loved ones and friends. Um, and as much as 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 you hate them, that that they were designed that way. Cults do that on purpose. They they make they make the people, the victims, the cult members, uh, literally hate and be hated by everyone that loved them. Um, and so avoiding becoming uh, inhuman in their eyes is is the first and most important thing you can do. Thank you we for that. Albert Watkins, who's in the film, the um, uh, lawyer of Jacob Chansley, the, the QAnon shaman, uh, he actually, as sweary and shouty as he was on CNN, and, and we have him saying stuff in the film, he also said something really important. He said that, you know, these people are our brothers and our sisters, and they need help, they need compassion, yeah. they need patience. And, um, you know, they've been radicalized by <laughs> an idiot. Right. Yeah. And I will, one last thing I want to say that I just learned today from that political article, Politico article Hi-Fi sent me uh, from a former QAnon, uh, you know, victim. I didn't realize that once they realized they had been duped and he figured out he was duped because the, the key word that was supposed to have a, a, a alternate meaning was every time uh, Trump said something like tippy top or something. Uh, then somebody put together a video how often Trump said it predating even, you know, his presidency, and he realized he'd been duped. But what I didn't realize was that they feel tremendous shame. Yeah. So having that insight now is going to definitely make me more compassionate. And here's where I get emotional again. So, okay. And, so, yes. <laughs> and, and, and remember that that feeling of shame and uh social shame is the same area of the brain that physical pain emerges so in okay. mris FM, fmris have shown that it's the exact same area of the brain as physical pain is embarrassment and shame so okay. for the brain it's indistinguishable well getting, um, yeah. that note uh i want to say we want everyone to see disinformed it was yes. like we, we were so proud that you guys were coming on our show thank you we guys yes so much wait um, i know that you guys are on twitter at uh I believe it's Charles Creel, your first and last name, K-R-I-E-L, uh, and Kat Gellin, K-A-T-G-E-L-L-I-N. The website for more information is metrotonemedia.com. Is there anything else that we can tell people on how they can find disinformed or people you may know? I believe it's on ZDF Germany right now, if you happen to be <laughs> in Germany or, uh, or, or get that service. Yeah, uh, right. That's the 30-minute short version. Um, there'll be a 45 minute short version as well. Uh, and all the information will come in the new year. We have a, Charles has set up a site called disinformeddoc.com. Uh, and all the new dates and screenings will come up there. We are so, so honored that you came to our show and you brought this incredible moving story and you uh, expressed uh, how well that we must be more compassionate and have patience ourselves. We'll have all the links. We'll have all the links in the show notes, guys. Yeah. Yes, and also, is it possible for them to stay with us just through our digital descent? We'd love to keep you sure. for one more minute, unless you guys have to run, which we understand. Absolutely. Okay. Great. All right. Um, so, since we're doing the vax uh, topic today, 
This is um, a little edit that I put together, taking an America's Frontline Doctors pro anti-vax video, and I turned it into a vax pro video. So taking a anti-vax commercial and turning it into a pro-vax commercial. He's very um, tricky. Yeah. All right, here we go. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I am a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm the doctor. No doctor. I'm the doctor. I'm a doctor. But he kept saying, relax, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Me, I'm a doctor. Keep saying that. Are you a doctor, aren't you? When you see the normal symbol and stop being batshit crazy. Relax, I'm a doctor. Put the fear behind you. Get the goddamned vaccine. There it is. There you go. <laughs> so if you've never seen their commercial, oh, it's so bad. Is it art? So I don't know. It's yeah. they're already in the white coats. They're already in the white coats, and it's like three minutes of them saying, "I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. No, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor." <laughs> Just well, beating it over the head. It was just horrifying. So I had to do that. I had to turn it into a, come on. This is just it well, was, it, I mean, it's great because that they're just, they're literally just, it's the oldest fallacy in the book, right? So yeah, what? It's authority. It's the appeal to authority. Yeah. You're talking bullshit. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're just doing a little psyoping on the psyopers, but everybody, thank you for this beautiful um, episode number five, Disinformed with the Backslash. Uh, be on the lookout for it. And thank you again for staying up well past bedtime. Uh, hello, we just had like Charles Creel and Kat Gellin on our show. I know, unbelievable. That's They're amazing. Great. That, 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 yeah, that documentary is a must-see. There's <sighs> yeah. so many pieces. Thank you well, very once much. again, an incredible show. I want to thank you guys so much for always just bringing such important content every week to this war. And the response we've been getting has been really quite amazing. And uh, on to the next one. All right, guys. See you later. Careful, Stay rad. Okay.